This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, We'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So, whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Uh, Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Again, that is bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find more, but that is bwhustle.com slash join. Join Chase Thomas pod the Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined by someone more familiar with college football than even myself, Brian Prenny of Two Four Seven Sports. Brian, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you being here, man. Uh, I'm in the process of writing about Texas A&M this week. Um, they're a team I'm extremely fascinated by. I I think about I I think about Texas A&M football way too much, Brian. I don't know if you're like this about where they are and where they are in the hierarchy of the SEC and like why more people don't talk about them or think about them, considering they finished fourth um, in the final eight people for this college football season, and they impressed in a lot of ways. They beat Florida. They um, we're the best team in the SEC, not named Alabama potentially. Um, why, like, when you think about Texas A&M and what they were last year, why do you think that they just didn't feel like they were one of the the four best teams in the country? But to be honest, I think a lot of people have been burned by Texas A&M in the past. The Aggies, uh, especially under Kevin Sumlin, they were up to number four in the uh, college playoff rankings at one point. Um, and the debut they in the debut one year and then ended the year outside the top 25. So I think uh, people, observers are just really hesitant to give A&M much credit. And it's understandable. The team has, has struggled more than it probably should have recently. But uh, Jimbo Fisher has 
the Aggies winning the games they're supposed to win. That wasn't always the case. It seems like they lose one or two every year. They're not that they're supposed to win and, and also beating teams, like you said, Florida. But I think this year really was the fact that the Alabama game was early. It was the second game of the season. It was not a close game. And after that, a lot of people, including A&M fans, wrote the Aggies off. And it sort of took a while for uh, for people to really start respecting them and realize, hey, you know, this team's on a run. So um, it, it, I think that, that loss just sat in a lot of people's minds. But then we saw in the playoffs with what they did to Ohio State, you know, that you know, A and M actually did better than than people expected. I mean, than, than it seemed because Alabama was just really, really good this year. Yeah, and I wonder too how much of this is just. And you've got your finger on the pulse here more than I do, but I wonder about this where it's almost impossible to be Alabama. It's almost impossible to be Clemson. A um, and M is recruiting at a pretty close level that Jimbo has come in there. He got the tenure contract. He's got stability. He's got a great staff. He's got a great recruiting base. He's in a recruiting, uh, a, a fertile recruiting ground. Um, he had a quarterback who is the all time wins leader. I believe in Kellen who uh, I want to ask you about in a second, but is he ever going to be judged fairly um, as a head coach at Texas A&M and our Texas A&M fans understanding that like, the Alabama question still just sits there. Or do they look at it as like, well, Ed Orgeron got through it and Jimbo won a national title at Florida State that we should have expectations that he can win the West and that he can actually go toe-to-toe with Saban every year? Or is it like, hey, we, he's going to build a solid program, he's going to recruit really, really well, and uh, we should just be happy at where we're at? What, like, w- I don't know. I just go back and forth on this. Like, What are the expectations in 2021 um, in College Station? Well, A&M fans in general uh, do have the expectation that A&M will supplant Alabama, whether that remains to be seen or not. Um, you know, who knows what will happen. But, you know, they point to the fact that they say, hey, A&M lured Jimbo Fisher away with the, the largest contract, still the largest single contract in college football history, you know, $75 million guaranteed. He has a national championship under his belt from Florida State. And A&M is recruiting a lot better, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Kevin mm-hmm. Sumlin was able to get five-star offensive guys there, but not defensive guys, not defensive linemen. A&M's defensive line is finally looking like an SEC defensive line. So, yeah, Aggie fans are really, you know, they said, hey, this is a lot of money that they're putting into uh, a coach. They're giving him, you know, facilities and things like that and, uh, you know, paying assistant coaches. And so they, they are expecting to see, you know, results. They knew it wouldn't be immediate, but everybody had pointed to that uh, 2020 season and then going forward after that as the time when Fisher had veterans but also had, uh, you know, had a lot of talent coming in from his recruiting classes. So, yeah, they, they, they expect to be a, you know, a have as opposed to a have not in the college football uh, landscape for sure. How do you think A&M fans should view Callum Mond's tenure at A&M? Oh man, that's uh, uh, it, it. That changes depending on which fan you ask. You know, he mm. he he holds he holds every record in College Station, but half the fans will say, you know, he's great. He's one of the one of the best there. Half will say, you know, A and M would have been better without, uh, you know, with a different quarterback over the last four years. So it, it really just I, I don't know. I, I don't know what his legacy is going to be. It it definitely helps that he led the team to a number four. A final ranking this year but you know he's never going to be Johnny Manziel in their minds but you know is he at least going to 
to be seen after that as, as A&M's next best QB. And I honestly don't know. Um, it's, you know, like I said, just a very polarizing figure because he really seemed to struggle on the road and in big games. And that changed a little bit this past year, but not as much. A&M relied on the running game when he was struggling. So uh, Aggie fans remember those struggles more than they remember, you know, the good games, the 300-yard games. How big of a factor will Isaiah Spiller be um, breaking in this new quarterback, whoever it will be, and I'll get to that in a second. But he was kind of under the radar, too, of just, like, how good he was for A&M and how well he uh, he worked behind that veteran offensive line that also departed uh, this offseason for the Aggies. Um, how big of a role and how big of a national star do you figure Spiller will be in 2021? Uh, Spiller has a chance to be really good. He's a big running back that has, you know, Good speed for his size. He's not a guy that's going to break off a ton of 80 yard runs, but has good speed for being 225 pounds and really good vision. But I think this coming year, Devon Achain could cut into his uh, his carries, and that'll be interesting to see. He, you know, Achain is was a true freshman this past year, was the MVP of the Orange Bowl. He is a legitimate, you know, Olympic caliber kind of guy down the road in the. 200 meters, so has serious speed. So those two guys are going to complement each other well, but Achen could end up taking taking some of Spitter's carries. So I don't know if, you know, you're looking at an All-American season or anything like that, but, but at least that duo together has a chance to be really good. But as you said, the offensive line is, is a huge question mark. Is what Jimbo is building in College Station more sustainable than what someone was building with Manziel and friends? Oh, very much so. I mean, I, I pointed to it earlier. The Sumlin recruited QBs and recruited wide receivers, did a good job with that. But other than that, um, really struggled. I, offensive linemen, too. But SEC being a, a line of scrimmage league, the defensive line was not up to – it looked nothing like the Georgias or the Alabamas or even the Auburns. You know, the defensive line was, was a weak spot on the team, same with linebackers. And, and the secondary really struggled. So with Mike Elko there um, as a defensive coordinator, secondary has been way better over the past three years. But really the big difference is the defensive line. A guy that probably that, that should have a lot more national attention is DeMarvin Leal, former five-star defensive end out of high school. He'll be a third-year player this coming season. And though his stats don't necessarily show it as, as he's you know taken up blockers a lot, he's a 295-pound kid that is – you know, he, he's probably a first-round pick next year, if not a higher first-round pick. And so, you know, that's just an example. And then A&M going to get McKinley Jackson, who was a, a very highly ranked defensive tackle out of Mississippi. They beat Auburn and Georgia and the Mississippi schools for him last year, and he, he had a real good true freshman year. So they're just showing that, that they're finally able to get those defensive linemen, and that's really the difference when you look at, at least at defenses when you look at the Alabamas and the Georgias is they have those real big athletic kids on the line do you think when you look at the quarterback situation that they're going to head into uh, in the spring do you think they should have opted to be more aggressive in the portal for the McKenzie Milton's of the world's the Alan Bowman's of the world's or do you think it's smart that they're going to go in-house it looks like so at the time, the numbers were really tight when it comes to the 25-man initial counter. A&M was mm. in on a bunch of on a bunch of guys close uh, uh, in the close of the signing day. They they landed a couple of guys on signing day or that week, but but didn't get all of them. So there are a lot of spots on two left. 
So you may still see Hainem look, uh, you know, take the tires on some quarterbacks, but they really do like uh, like Haynes King, who was a true freshman this past year, and, and they expect some big things from him. Zach Calzada, who was a redshirt freshman, has experience as well. So I mean, it's not ideal to to have a whole bunch of freshmen and, and no experience, you know, at all other than that at the the quarterback position. So you could still see them look late for some guys, but. Um, but uh, they're they're okay if they don't get that. Obviously, it's a big question mark. But they like they like the upside, especially of Haynes King. They loved him in high school. He's uh, he's done really well in practices and running, you know, running the second team offense. So in your, I feel like I've said this a lot. I'm I'm going to avoid saying in your estimation. So Haynes King, probably the guy. He he should be the favorite to be under center in Week One for AM this fall. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Yeah, he, I mean, the, the fact that he was the only other scholarship quarterback other than going on to top of snot this past year, uh, that that's pretty telling. Um, Zach Calzada is is you know a lot of people thought he might enter the transfer portal. He is sticking around for at least the spring, and he's going to give it a go. And and Fisher Jimbo Fisher will definitely have an open competition. Nobody has won it yet. Nobody's going to be handed it. But I think the fact that anytime they were ready for another QB to come in and a blowout, it was always Haynes King this past year, and he's a guy that we were hearing a ton of buzz on. So yeah, I do expect it to be him. Not not guaranteed, but I you know I'd say ninety percent, ninety five percent chance it's him. Is there a recipe for disaster with the offensive line changes and a new young quarterback this fall? Is that something that oh, for, Jimbo oh. is really concerned about? Oh, for sure. Um, offensive line, you'll. I mean, A and M had one of the country's best offensive lines this past year. Almost every player had at least two years, if not three years, of starting experience, and they lost four of the five starters to the draft. So. Uh, Kenyon Green, who was an, an All-American guard, is likely to move out to tackle. But other than that, there's nobody with much experience at all. There are some talented players, but nobody has any clue how they will do against live competition, especially in the SEC. So, yeah, that's a big-time question mark. They have a chance to be good, not as good as they were this past year. They have a chance to be good, but once again, just unproven. So um, that and, and combined with the fact that it's going to be a very inexperienced quarterback, I think, is why you aren't seeing A and M retire. Even though they return a ton of players on defense, you had a lot of guys forgo the draft and are and are coming back for you know an extra senior year, even so. Uh, you know, a lot of talent on defense side of the ball, but it's going to come down to the offensive line and quarterback play for sure. Last thing, we'll wrap up here. With all that being said, you look at A and M schedule and. It's it's formidable, and it's something where you look at it and you're like, if you're, from my perspective and my vantage point, I look at it as like, okay, if you're an A&M fan, this is tailor made for another run. And I don't know if Jimbo wants this, where it's like, oh, I just lost all this talent on the offensive line, and I'm changing, it, I'm breaking a new quarterback. But you look at who their matchups are at home and who they have to go to on the road, and you're like, okay, where are the guaranteed losses on this schedule? And I don't know, like it. When you look at the A and M twenty twenty one schedule, doesn't it look like a situation where A and M should be in real play to win the West? They get Bama where they want Bama, 
and I think Auburn's also at home. Um, this schedule, it's pretty formidable for them to run the table again, correct? Yeah, it's about as as good of a schedule as they could have hoped for. The fact that uh, Clemson is off the, the non-conference schedule yep. they replaced them with Colorado, that's huge. And then, yeah, they get both Alabama and Auburn at home. And Alabama, you know, in the middle of the season, they've had them either early or late in the past. So, you know, middle of the season, A&M should have their legs under them, um, you know, which should help, which was, was an issue this past year. And then late, later in the season, getting Auburn at home. They do travel to LSU at the end of the year, but, you know, LSU is definitely down. So uh, this there, there's, a, there's a chance on the table. It's, it's going to come down to that Alabama game and then avoiding upsets elsewhere. But A&M should be favored in, in 11 of the 12 games. So that's, uh, that's not something that has been the case in recent years that uh, that there were expectations like that so yeah this schedule looks really really nice for fans of, of the Aggies for sure there you go Brian this has been great what can uh, we check out from you this week uh across 247 uh just I mean uh spring football and college station starts soon recruiting is heating up so really if you just check out uh gigum247.com there's a lot of coverage on both of those things all right. Well, go do that. Keep up the great work, sir. I appreciate all you do and all I get to keep me informed as I'm keeping up with the Aggies and all the SEC. So I greatly appreciate it. Uh, stay safe out there and uh, have fun this spring, sir. All right. I appreciate it. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.